What's up, guys? It's your fearless champion, Wacky Packy, here with your fantastic Desert League fantasy podcast. Uh, normally, this is where I would say joined by our lovely co-host, Red Skidmark. Unfortunately, he had to step away for a little bit due to some health reasons, but I promise you he will be back and in action in no time. So I got to update you guys on a lot of things. Today is finally the day. I've been wanting to do a topic for, well, ever since I saw preseason and started getting angry about it. Uh, I was going to have uh, Dwayne on, on, on the podcast with me co-hosting to be able to go over this, but I've been waiting on it too long, and if I have to keep updating this thing, guys, I'm going to lose my damn mind. So we're going to start with that. I'm also going to give you my stardom, sit'em, and weekly win projections, who I think is going to win every single game this week. Um, I got to tell you something. I was destroyed last week. Not only was I taken from the top four overall down to the top, I think 13 I'm at now, uh, overall in the league, I just got absolutely destroyed. And I just want to first say again, I know I gave you guys the wins and everything, but Red Skidmark did a hell of a job, got really lucky. He, he rolled the dice on. And he ended up winning. So congratulations and good luck again this week. I uh, also had quite a few bad things that happened to me, but we will get into that. A lot of news to get through. So what I want to talk about is officiating. And if I start sounding a little angry to you guys, I start sounding coming off a little too harsh, uh, I don't care. Uh, this is how I feel. This is my opinion, and I'm going to put out facts in there, but most, if you hear me say something like it's getting swayed or uh, I don't agree with it, um, it's my opinion. At the end of the day, I stand by what the NFL does as long as decent people aren't getting hurt for stupid things. So I just want to throw some facts out there for you guys. In the first three weeks of the NFL, we have had 705 accepted penalties. 33 of those have been roughing the passer, 24 neutral zone infractions, and 116 of those have been false start. So I was asking myself, okay, if that's the first three weeks of the NFL, mind you, I asked myself this back on week one, that's the first week of the NFL season. Um, but I asked again, I wonder what the previous years were like. You know, everybody knows there's the controversial rough in the passer rule um, in, in which uh, I'll get to an update on that in just a second. It's actually part of this topic, but I really think that the officiating is calling games now. Now, you can't tell me a referee who's been there for years doesn't have his preference when it comes to certain teams. These refs travel with these teams. They go all over the country. They... They like the way they get treated by certain teams. They don't like the way they get treated by other teams. They already have a bias going into a game. And that's dangerous when you're in an official position. Um, that's why when you're on a jury, you can't have bias towards anything in that court case. You know what they do? They throw you out. Because you have to have an unbiased, unprejudiced opinion in order to successfully determine if somebody's guilty or not. Now, this isn't a court case. This is the NFL, and it's not 
as serious as as it may be. But a lot of people take this very seriously. And I get very frustrated watching my team, or watching any team for that matter, who's good. They're they're out there, they're playing the game, they're they're doing everything right, and they're getting calls on them for for absolutely nothing. So I looked at it. In 2017, by the same week, by week three, we had 687 accepted penalties. Um, almost an entire 20 penalties less. Uh, there was 16 of those that were roughing the passer, 19 neutral zone infractions, and 102 false starts. Now, I'm only using neutral zone infractions and false starts just to let you guys know because that one, I'm not going to lie, it was the first two that popped up on the list after roughing the passer. Um, but also, you got to think, there's a direct tie between defensive penalties and roughing the passer. So I was thinking to myself, if roughing the passer has gone up double from last year, neutral zone infractions must have gone up. You know, pass rushers getting their kicks off. Then I was like, well, let's look further. In 2016, 658 accepted penalties almost 50 less than to this year and 29 less than last year, than last year 19 of those were roughing the passer some more okay 19 neutral zone infractions the exact same and 104 false starts so there were more false starts more roughing the passer but the exact same neutral zone infractions this year, we've got double roughing the passers, five extra neutral zone infractions, and compared to last year, 14 less false starts, according to the year before, 12. That's not making sense. Yeah, 12. And also, to add on to that, you guys remember the catch rule controversy, right? Um, you know, just to name the one that everybody always talks about, the Des Bryant catch. And how it was ruled that because he did not have full control over the ball, because they, they didn't simplify like they did this year, where the ground is a factor. He, he essentially, that... That catch right there lost them the game. And that was it. But they changed that this year. So the catch rule has been simplified. And it's been simplified, but it's also not been put up for, hey, so this is your understanding of the rule. This is how it's going to be. Okay. If you look at any other pro sports, I think I talked about this last time. You look at any other professional sport, the NBA, the, uh, the, the NHL, the MLB, NASCAR even. We'll throw that in there. There's penalties in NASCAR, I think. I don't watch NASCAR. Too many left turns. But there is no other professional sport out there where the refs are given total control of understanding the rules. The rules are laid out, and that's that. That's how those professional sports are run. So referees in the NFL get a pass. Hey, so this roughing the passer rule that's out there. So 
If you think it's roughing the passer, call it. Guess what? The NFL is going to have your back no matter what. And so yet again, we have another controversial roughing the passer. We have a, a player that gets injured trying to not draw the penalty. We have four, almost five, roughing the passer calls in the Monday night game. That is insane. That should not be happening. But we've got these, – these are five catches right here that would now be considered a catch and would have changed that season for that team and that player especially if it was overruled, if it was under this new simplified catch rule. So obviously the first one on that list is Des Bryant, the 2014 division championship. Yeah, the Cowboys, I think, would have won that game if that catch would have been considered a catch. Did I agree with it? No. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Because that was against the Packers. And, of course, I'm going to go with it. Now, I, I was mad about that. I, I was like, you know what? That should have been a catch. Y'all got, got jacked on that one. But then there's Calvin Johnson in the Lions-Bears game in 2010. There's Jesse James in the New England-Pitts game. 2017, Adam Thielen, the Vikings-Raiders game, 2017, and Tyler Eifert, the 2015 Bengals-Ravens game. These were all rep decisions, guys. And under the new rule, they'd be considered catches. They, these weren't unanimous decisions, mind you. They weren't the same situations getting called. These were all an interpretation of that particular ref at that particular time in that particular game. And that, in my opinion, is what's plaguing the NFL. You ever wonder why big-name teams aren't making big-name plays anymore? You ever wonder why? It's because of this. And like I said, there's another questionable roughing rough the passer call on Clay Matthews. This is the third week in a row. The last two calls that they have made on him were absolutely terrible. Just terrible. Yet, we still allow them to happen. So, the competition committee finally heard us out and I think they're only reacting and this is the problem that I had with uh, major events that happened in Arizona last year in the in the in the school year involved the schools we didn't get anything done because it's the right thing to do we got it done because we were reacting to something that happened I think the competition committee is way way past the mark of doing something to fix this. But they met today. Their official statement was they are showing willingness to change the roughing the passer rule after feeling uneasy about it. Uneasy. A man is injured and out for the season for trying to avoid this. Another man is facing fines and losing his career because his career was based off of pass rushing. You have double the amount of roughing the passer calls in just three weeks. 
That's 4% of your total penalties. That is an astronomical amount for such a, a, a hard call to, to get. Mind you, guys, I understand. The whole reason this rule came about was because that Aaron Rodgers injury where he broke his collarbone because he was slammed into the ground. Like that player was coming at him to injure him. That's what they're trying to avoid, and I understand it. But you're only trying to protect your quarterbacks because you know the quarterbacks get you ratings. And that, to me, is a huge problem. I don't give a shit about your ratings. I still watched Packers games last year, even though Packer, or Rodgers was injured, because I support my team. Anybody who only watches their quote-unquote favorite team because of one player, you don't like that team, you like that player. Get out of here. Actually, no. You enjoy football, you like watching that player play, totally for it. But that's a messed up thing. They're like, hey, Aaron Rodgers got hurt last year. There's a lot of quarterbacks that were hurt last year. Uh, let's let's make the roughing the passer situation so so misunderstandable, and let's let the refs decide what they want to make it do. Oh, and then by week three of the new season, we're going to decide to finally make a change. But they're not making a change. Here's what they were doing. They were meeting to get a full understanding of what roughing the passer should be. So they all become in agreement on what roughing the passer is. They tell the refs, hey, this is exactly what roughing the passer is. They talk to them like three-year-olds. I think you need to scrap the rule. Scrap the addition you made to it. If a quarterback gets injured, a quarterback gets injured. Teach people to tackle correctly, and people won't get injured. When you are six foot seven, 232 pounds, and you're coming at a guy at 27 miles an hour and trying to take him down when he's in a stationary position, probably doesn't see you, or he does, but only in your peripherals, you're going to get hit. And when he hits you, it's going to look like it was a really hard hit because you are stationary and there's a big giant running at you at full speed, full sprint. And then he lunges. But I guess if you don't put a pillow underneath the quarterback's head, he's being roughed around too much. It is insane. It is absolutely insane. Here's some other numbers for you guys. So out of the 705 penalties in 2018, the 687 penalties in 2017, and 658 penalties in 2016, by week three, here's the percentages for all the major fouls. Roughing the passer, 4.6% this year, 2.3% last year, 2.8% the year before, obviously, because there was, there was 19. Okay, makes sense. The neutral zone infractions, 3.4% this year, 2.7% last year, 2.8% the year before. And false starts, 16.4% this year, 14.8% last year, 15.8% the year before. And then I was like, hey, now that I've had time to go and look, why don't I go and look at all the other major penalties, such as offensive holding, for instance. 144 have been called this year. That's 20% of the penalties. Years past, 142 
20.6%. And in 2016, 150%, that's 22.7%. Guess what, guys? I think because of this new roughing the passer rule, the quarterback's more protected. Who has to worry about your quarterback getting sacked? You might as well take sacks off the goddamn record book because they can't sack the quarterback unless you're Khalil Mack. Of course, they're probably just afraid of him. He might kill them. Or Von Miller. No, I think those are the only two guys that can get away with sacking in the entire league. Defensive pass interference. There was 50 this year. That's 7%. Maybe because the defense is too afraid to go hands-on anymore. Why intercept the ball? Why rough the passer? You're just going to get called on pass interference. You're just going to get called on roughing. And then you're going to get on sportsmanlike conduct because you're obviously upset about a garbage rule, a garbage call. The rule's not bad. It's the call. Like I think I talked about in the last podcast, the uh, first pass interference of the Green Bay uh, Washington game this last week. Um, now, under the rules, a pass interference occurs when contact is made that inhibits, prevents, or uh, no, inhibits or prevents or cuts the uh, play the receiver, the eligible receiver, from going downfield while looking at the ball. If you're not looking at the ball, can't do it. That first pass interference, the eligible receiver, we'll say what it is, from the Redskins, was running behind the eligible player, the defender, down the sideline, had his arms wrapped around him. Not, not a full embrace. You know, they weren't a Titanic level. They were just, they had contact. But the contact wasn't being made by the defender. He didn't even know the ball was out. I think he was more looking for where, where his receiver was. Uh-oh, I lost my mark. Here we go. He couldn't turn his head because guess what? If he would have turned his head, it would have been a different type of pass interference. Because there, helmet to helmet contact. And then guess what? You're out on concussion protocol for a tiny little tap to your helmet, and it's garbage. But I think that call was bad. The pass has to be catchable. In my opinion, guys, this isn't what the rules say. The rules say any contact with a player from Team A and Team B while pursuing a ball, an eligible receiver, that's pass interference. Anything that inhibits, cuts him off from his path, or prevents him from catching said ball. My opinion, it wasn't a catchable pass. How could he catch a pass? That shouldn't be a PI. Now, if they can prove that he was able to catch the pass going forward, absolutely. But that ball was out. It landed out. There was no way in hell he was going to catch that ball. Not a complete pass. He may have caught it, but he would have been out. He would have been past the sideline. That's my opinion, guys. I think it should be a, a catchable pass that can cause a pass interference. If it's not catchable, there's no point.
Defensive holding. 45 this year, that's 6.3%. 46 last year, 6.6%. And only 31 in 2016, 4.7%. I'm in 2016, if I didn't say that. I'm not going back to fix it. I don't care. Then I was like, well, I did all those. What's another penalty that gets called that makes absolutely no sense but may have a tie to this roughing the passer deal? I was thinking unnecessary roughness. Here's why. You have more people sacking your quarterback and doing things that really are, are intended to injure a quarterback, or that's what it makes it look like. So a defender comes up and he smacks the shit out of you because you got to protect your team. So an unnecessary roughness gets called. This year, 37 have been called. 5.2% of the penalties have been unnecessary roughness. 46 last year, 6.6%. I wonder why. But then all of my evidence and facts got ruined because in 2016 there was only 28, only 4.2%. So they they were small. They got astronomical, um, almost double, and then they went down again. But it's, what do you guys think? Obviously, you don't have a way of answering me. I mean, you do. You can message me. I personally think that refs are calling games. I think that the NFL should take a stance. The competition committee should say, hey, this is the rule book. What doesn't make sense in this rule book? And, of course, everybody who reads it goes, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Nothing, nothing's confusing. Okay, congratulations, you're a referee. But I don't know, I have a favorite team. Okay, well then you're not going to ref that team or its rivals. If you show bias towards any team, you're out. Because it's obvious. You could see when one particular ref is throwing the flag on one particular team and that team ends up with 70 penalties which is crazy. They end up with 15 to 20 penalties while the team that that ref happens to may have liked or has been shown in the past to be joking around with the team or players from that team, Tom Brady, uh, and they've only got, what, five penalties? Because they were so blatant and fragrant that they had to call it. That's all I'm saying, guys. I just think that there's something up with the refs. But it's up to you. Tell you what, if you do disagree with me 100% and you want to speak your mind, let me know. You'll come on my podcast. You'll come on here. You'll join me and Red Skidmark. And you'll tell us why you disagree. And then I'll roast you because you're wrong. But again, that's my opinion. All I'm saying is if the competition committee is, is going and willing to change their views on a rule in mid-season, not even mid-season, the very beginning of the season, that 
That new ruling hasn't even been in effect for more than three weeks of the regular season. We're not even counting preseason. We're just talking regular season. Because that's the only thing that really counts. But they're willing to change their way of thinking on it. So that's got to tell you, they think something's up. And guess what? The fans, they also think something's up. You know, if you do a Google search, I found this out because everybody, I'm on the Lombardi Nation page on Facebook, um, and everybody's a Green Bay Packers fan on there. And they were posting, you can look up the NFL's main uh, home office phone number to Roger Goodell, and you can lodge a complaint directly to the NFL for anything you want. And I think people should do it. Granted, in my actual main job, I actually work on the phones and I hate when people call in just to complain because it's like there's nothing that's ever positive for you. Please just call me once just to say hello. But that's not my job. I won't tell you guys what my job is. But that's not my job. But I think people should do it. So there's another thing that happened Monday night that was absolutely insane. Um, I did not go over it with you guys because it was still developing as it was going. There's a lot of rumors going through. Um, just I, I really feel for the guy. So Vikings defensive player Everson Griffin. Um, He's reportedly battling some personal mental health issues. And that's what kept him off the field against the Bills. Uh, Rick Spielman, he released a statement Monday night. Um, he's a GM for the Vikings. He said, we are aware of the situation involving Everson Griffin and certainly concerned by what we have heard. We're focused on Everson's well-being and providing the appropriate support for him and his family. So for those of you who don't know, he was involved in a situation or an incident at a hotel in Minneapolis. And apparently um, they weren't letting him in his room or something. And he threatened to shoot up the joint. And he was detained. And now he's... And later, after he was detained, he was taken to a hospital for evaluation. Uh, as of when I wrote that, which I think was on Tuesday. Today is Tuesday? Yesterday was Tuesday. It's been a long week. As of yesterday, when I wrote this, that was the information I was provided. Um, I'm sure there's more information now. Uh, if uh, This is the way I do it, guys. Whatever the NFL is providing, Bleacher Report usually has it a little bit before them, before NFL announces it. Um, so I'll get Bleacher Report to give me a notification, then I'll get the NFL, and then I'll get uh, whatever ESPN information they have. Uh, but the thing about ESPN is they are all sports. They're not just and the same with Bleacher Report. They're all sports. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. They don't get everything first. If you want a true source, go straight from the NFL. 
Don't go by any secondary source. That's just the best practice. That's how I get all my news. Um, now, here's something that was interesting. On a lighter note, um, Everson Griffin is, I think they put him inactive already for the week just because of what he's battling. Um, I hope he gets better. He's a great player. He's one of the best defensive players on the team. And I, I hope everything get just he gets what he's gets through what he's going through right now. Um, really hope for success from that guy because he's a great guy. Now let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. This was really interesting. Uh, NFL.com was describing three options Le'Veon has for the rest of his season. And they're the same three options he's always had. He can get traded. He can try to renegotiate. Or he can just sign the damn franchise tag. So obviously he hasn't signed the franchise tag. The Steelers are listening to trade offers. People are going nuts. I think don't trade him. There, there's no reason. Because you know what? This is what he's going to do. And this is because of the, the type of stuff he's pulling right now. No team is going to spend the money on him. No team. I don't think. There are a couple of teams that have them. I think like two, maybe three in the league who actually need a running back have the money to spend on him. But here's why I say don't trade for Le'Veon Bell. You're going to give up a draft pick. You're going to lose Bell at the end of the year because he's going to want more money and his contract's going to be up. He's going to be a free agent. And he's going to go to the highest bidder. Three, he hasn't been practicing. There's no talent if he's been staying in shape. So when you get him, he's going to be rough around the edges. He hasn't played. He hasn't been in the team's facility. The Steelers won't deal with him. Steelers are like, hey, we gave you what we could. We gave you a, a killer deal. I'm sorry. We, we can't spend any more money on you. And he said no. And he's holding out. And I think that's the most punk-ass thing to do to your team. Granted, the Steelers did come away with a win, barely, on Monday night. Um, I say barely. I know there was a pretty large lead throughout most of the game. But the Bucks came back. The Fitzmagic disappeared, and then it all of a sudden showed back up like a Houdini act. So I think it really is Fitzmagic. And we ended up with some, some nastiness, some nonsense. But I know that's not what you guys are listening for. That's all the updates I have. I mean, there, there's not much else. Jimmy G is is out for the season. Um, Muhammad Wilkerson is out for the season. No, 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 no. I think he had. I think he was the one with the ankle injury. I'm gonna do the injury update this weekend, anyways. I'm just letting you guys know ahead of time. Um, there, Rex Burkhead placed on the injury reserve. Guess who's getting dropped for mine? Um. Man, I'm telling you guys, it feels like fantasy's out to get me because almost all the players I have are either injured or inactive. 
placed on the injury reserve. But what can you do? You can't help when the, uh, a quarterback gets injured. Maybe if they had to put more weight on his body, his leg wouldn't be messed up. Anyways, without further ado, let's give you guys some updates. So, here's the week three standings. As you guys know, I very humbly defeat. There's going to be a little bit of audio chop in there, guys. I do apologize. I had some technical difficulties. Um, so we had, uh, I accepted a humble defeat from Red Skidmark this week, 219.53 over 127.11. Um, we had Cowboys win 164.73 to 136.22, uh, 72, sorry. Uh, we had training wheels 123.86 to 90.74 against Gazorpazorps. Arizona boys 140.69 over 131.45 to Redbirds. Draco Pingui took the win 137.45 to 112.50 AZ Cardinals. May two times 145.75 over 122.23 to Da Football Players taking the L on that one. Finally, un- a defeated rookie member. Uh, Green B, 110.03 over 82.58 to Dallas Cowgirls. And probably the one game that couldn't call it till the very last second of the Steelers game. And that was Mac Attack, 150.14 over 142.94. Salty Sackville. Uh, I, I got to say, Fitzpatrick, he really threw me for a loop. I thought he was going to have a comeback and have a great game. If that one uh, touchdown would have been called a touchdown and not a uh, n- not a down dead ball because of a cleat hitting a shoulder pad, um, he would have had. I, I think he would have won. I think Jorge would have won that one. So I do this every week, and because I do this every week, just realize that this is if we were to do playoffs today or this week instead of at the end of the season. Who would be in the playoffs and who would still be in contention? Or who's about to get pushed out? Um, even though it's very early in the season, we have many games left, it, it can go for a while. So without further ado, in the quarterfinals, we would have Red Skidmark and Gazorbazorbs, the football players and Cowboys, Maya two times, Arizona Boys, and Training Wheels and the Green Bee. So still in contention, Mac Attack, AZ Cardinals, Wacky Packy, me, Salty Sackville, Midor Militia, Draco Pengui. Who is really struggling to stay in contention is Dallas Cowgirls and Redbirds. Um, that doesn't mean they're out. It just means that they are not doing too well. So these are the conference standings. These are not the overall standings. I did not include those because those essentially don't matter for this statistic. Sorry for all that noise in the background. I just dropped my fancy notebook. I'm having a hard time reading today, guys. So without further ado, in the NFC, we've got number one spot training wheels. He is 3-0. and He's gotten 463 points. And giving up 357. Cowboys, number two, is 2-1, two 514.93, and one, giving up 493.50. Number three spot, Arizona Boys, 2-1, made 461.68, giving up 408.30. Number four in the Gazorpazorps, he is 2-1, and one, 
made 333.15 and gave up 356.56. Number five, made it two times, two and one, made 388.18, gave up 385.52. Number six, Midor Militia, he is one and two, 392.43, gave up 380.18. On number seven, we got AZ Cardinals, one and two, uh, Made 432.80, gave up 445.11. And finally, number eight, Redbirds, 0-3, made 386.73, gave up 442.01. And the AFC, the more competitive, from what it seems like, league. Actually, no, they're, they're about even now. Um, if anything, the NFC became the more competitive one. In the AFC, we got Red Skidmark, 3-0, 561-64, gave up 385-91. Number two, Green B, 2-1, 347-55, gave up 340-23. Number three, the football players took a big hit this week, 2-1, 465-92, gave up 478-68. Number four, Mac Attack, 1-2, uh, sorry, 383-42 is what he's got, 439 gave up. Number five, we got Salty Sackville, 1-2, gave up 407-49, got 426-31. Number six, Draco Pengui, 1-2. Got 411.92, gave up 394.14. Number seven, me, one and two. 396.49, gave up 489.38. Last week didn't help. And number eight, Dallas Cowgirls, 0 and 3. 286.22, gave up 441.02. Um, which is kind of funny because Redbirds is 0 and 3, and she gave up 442.01. He gave up 442.01. I don't know who has that team, actually. Um, and then Dallas Cowgirls has given up 441.02. It's like the numbers swapped. These were your top scorers from last week. The top team was Red Skidmark with 219 points. And the lowest team was Dallas Cowgirls, 82-58. I just want to let you guys know, I went 5 out of 7 for guessing the fantasy games. But I went 8 out of 16 for NFL games. Lots of upsets this week. And the quarterback position, we have Matt Ryan, 53 points. Owned by Red Skidmark. have running back Adrian Peterson, 25-90. Owned by Red Skidmark. Wide receiver Calvin Ridley, 35 points. He's on the waiver wire. Tight end Vance McDonald, 18 points, owned by Midor Militia. And in the flex position, Jakeem Rant, 29.90, owned by Training Wheels. Kicker Matt Prater, 14 points on the waiver wire. Defensive lineman J.J. Watt, 28.33 points, Midor Militia. Linebacker Darius Leonard, 31.93 points, Draco Pengui. Defensive back Xavier Howard, 16.8 points on the waiver wire. And defensive player Calais Campbell, 20.23 points owned by Green B. Pretty simple, right? So we do have a bye week this week. I know Washington is on a bye. And I also know that another team is on bye week. And because I wasn't prepared to say that and my app took forever to load up, I couldn't tell you. Uh, it's the Panthers. Panthers and Redskins are on bye week. So if you have players from Washington or Carolina, go ahead and take them off your lineup for this week. They will not be getting you any points because it's kind of hard to get you points when you're not playing. Is anybody playing Cam Newton? Uh, please play him. I'm just kidding. This is the stardom sit for week four. This one was a little bit harder, but I was able to get through it really quickly. Um, for the training wheels, meet our militia game. So go ahead and start Austin Eckler. He's a good matchup. And sit George Kittle. Poor performer. 
consistent performer. I'll give him that. Minor Militia said, start Josh Gordon. He's got great potential. If he's off the injury list this week, go ahead and play him. Keep your eyes posted on the podcast for later this week in which if you should play him or not. I said, sit Taylor Gabriel. He's consistently been a poor performer on your team. Not a good starter. For that game, I think training wheels is going to take the win. The Cowboys-Arizona boys game. We got the battle of the boys. I said, start Dalvin Cook on Cowboys team. He's got great consistency and sit Sony Mitchell. He's constant underperformer. For Arizona boys, I said start Denzel Perryman. He's got a great matchup this week. And sit Rashad Penny for absolutely no reason except for he had a name and I just chose it. Actually, I had a reason. I just didn't write it down. And I'm too lazy to go look. For that game, I said Cowboys are going to take the win. AZ Cardinals versus Gazorp Zerps game. I said start Jay Ajayi uh, due to the matchup and sit Tyler Croft. He's got a gross performance, less than two points per game. Don't know why you even had him. Gazorp Zerps, I said start Kenny Galladay. He's an up-and-comer. I think he's going to do great this week. And sit Pierre Garçon because that team is falling apart and you don't know what you're going to get with a second-string quarterback on the 49ers. See plays for the 49ers. Uh, with Zorp Zorps, I said, gonna go ahead and take the win regardless of if you change or not. Uh, Maya two times versus Redbirds. Start Ezekiel Elliott. He's got a big chance this week. Big opportunities to make big points. Said, sit Austin Safarian Jenkins. He's an underperformer. He's a no name. He doesn't deserve to be on your starting lineup. Redbirds said, start Royce Freeman. It's Denver game. You know, Denver's showing some good running. Even though it's not a running league anymore, it's a passing league. Hey, he might make it. Might get you got a, a bunch of points. I did say sit Jamal Agnew. Poor matchup. Draco Penguin, uh, uh, on that one I said Maya two times going to take the win. Draco Penguin versus Green B. Said start David Johnson. We've seen a lot of run game for the Cardinals. And sit Alex Okafor due to the matchup and poor performance. Green B. I said start LaShawn McCoy. Packers defense is broken. Um, though we just signed a new quarterback, cornerback. That is what I said. Um, I don't think that you're going to have much issues with LaShawn getting through that line. I did say sit Greg Zurlin. He's got a groin injury. Plus, he sucks anyways. Um, Draco Penguin, I said he's going to take the win on that one. Salty Sackville versus the football players. Uh, I said start Travis Kelsey. He continues to perform well. He's a great starting position. Uh, but I also said sit Vincent Ray because he's an underperformer. For the football players, I said start Tevin Coleman. He's a great performer. And sit Austin Hooper because he sucks. And he's consistently sucky. No, he, he has good games every once in a while. But honestly, he's just not the kind of guy you want to rely on when you are you just lost your undefeated status and you want to make him point. On that one, I think Salty Sackville is going to take the win. For the Mac attack versus Red Skidmark, obviously Red Skidmark is going to take the win. But anyways, I said start Steven Gostowski. He got a lot of kick chances. I think he's going to get a lot of kick chances this week. Uh, I said sit Michael Pierce. He's injured nonetheless, but he's an underperformer. For Red Skidmark, I said start Jordy Nelson. He's finally proven himself. They showed that he could get the ball. I think he's going to get more targets now. So he's going to get you more points. And we all know Jordy Nelson doesn't just drop passes all the time. He's a crazy guy. He'll catch passes. 
I did say sit Dan Bailey because no performance. But then again, nobody in the Vikings performed. So that's that. That's my stardom, sit-em, and that's actually, well, I got until the injury update this weekend. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember, we are available everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, you name it, we're probably there. If you want people to listen to the podcast, tell them it's the desert, not the, it's Desert League Fantasy Podcast. If you like the podcast, you have any kind of advice or feedback, go ahead and leave us a review rate us, do whatever you want. I appreciate all kinds of feedback, constructive criticism. I promise our co-host will be back once he's better. Uh, He's not battling mental issues like Everson Griffin, and he's not injured like Jimmy Garoppolo, but he will be back. And if you want to take part in the podcast, you have an opinion to share, you want to talk about my officiating segment, Go ahead and hit me up on Messenger, hit me up on, on text, Facebook, in a review. And I'll set up a time for you to join the podcast and give your side of the story, your opinion, your take on whatever it happens to be. That's all for today, guys. Always remember, the player, I'm sorry, the points don't make the player The player makes the points. You'd think I'd have that catchphrase down by now, but oh well. Take it easy, guys.